Hi, and welcome to the Mic Check Podcast. I am Jonathan Miller. We're bringing back the podcast for features, so subscribe to keep up to date on all of our recent features. This week, we're bringing you the amazing Ayo Kunle Palomo from Houston. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. Uh, my name is Ayo Kunle. Uh, it means joy fills the house. Uh, my friends call me Ayo. It means joy. Hey. Uh, so, I feel like for those of you who know me and for those of you who don't, uh, I feel like I should just introduce myself, right? So, I have 10 not-so-interesting facts about myself that I would like to start with. Uh, one, I forget, like, a lot. This is why I pen on a pad always within reach, make statues, of the fragments that remain, of the memories of the people, and the places that paint me as here once. Two, both the poem and I are works in progress. I am learning to write myself true. Editing is a necessary beast, only it doesn't know how to bear the burden of all I am trying to be. I am trying to be an ever-living poem. Or three, this is how to say that it always, it always is difficult to write about myself, even if my poems tell a different tale, even if they say, look how easy it is to talk about nothing but. For I am a man of many contradictions. I feel at home the most when I am alone with myself. I am often alone with myself, even in a crowded room. When I am alone with myself, it is a reunion of sorts. I'm still learning how to embrace and accept as kin all the parts of myself that I dread and still haven't met yet. Five, I lose my way too often, which is to say I think about home a lot. Each poem is a breadcrumb trail leading me back to myself. Six, is me seeking shelter in a poem even one as compact as a haiku because sometimes home is not where you lay your head to rest, but rather an ache. Seven, I know what it is to ache. My heart is both barricade and open door. Only a few find their way in. My heart is a door. It opens and closes. It closes and opens. It opens more times than it should. Closes more times than it wants to. And letting love in is a recycled joke. Only funny the first time around is the premise of and the punchline of it. Watch. It's knock, knock. And you asking who's there. But the silence that follows becomes the tongue of a heckling viper. But don't you ask if this thing's because there's no time for that. It's knock, knock again. But this time you hesitating to ask who's there. But you do it anyways. It is a new love answering with all the teeth in their mouth. Then vanish. Eight. I am still learning how to welcome myself inside the home that the kind I am to sometimes to someone else, to everybody else except myself is. Nine, I think I am starting to love the sound of my voice. I love to the weight of it. 
I still don't know how to say much, though I know how to say a lot without actually saying a lot. I am still learning to say everything. Ten, I know how to drown truth in metaphor. Watch it muffled voice cry out for help. This is how I too know how to. So, uh, speaking of work in progress, uh, I identify as Christian, uh, and a lot of like what it means to be a Christian for me is to be a constant work in progress. Uh, my Christian is very imperfect, right? Uh, and it gets scared really that like it's not, it's not the way it should be, that it's not, it's not enough. Uh, my Christian has been agnostic. It still is sometimes. It has had doubts and probably still has doubts sometimes. But it believes. It believes even though it is not sure if it should or even if it makes sense to. It cries out to, I do believe, help my unbelief. It's messy and considers itself unredeemable at times. See, my Christian... My Christian says things that he shouldn't say, does things that he shouldn't do, watches things that he probably shouldn't, and it hasn't been in a church in a while. It always has excuses for why that is. And even when he does visit, it feels weird there. Doesn't always remember to pray or even how to. Doesn't always know to listen to God speak. See, there's a lot of should that comes with my Christian. My Christian, my Christian is very good at repenting. Okay, maybe really bad at it. It does it too much. It promises too much to never again, but still. See, I am not necessarily sure how my Christian should look. But I am sure it doesn't look the way it should most days. My Christian is unlike my mother's. I, in fact, do envy the relationship my mother has with our God. But I am very, very sure of my Christian. Because I don't, I don't know where else to go. No matter how far I roam, and I do roam often, I always know the return back home. My Christian is an ongoing conversation with Jesus. It is me saying after each mess up, I think you're stuck with me. And Jesus answering back, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. So I grew up uh, with a Christian mother, <laughs> and uh, she was a pastor at some point. So that meant leaving the house at 5 a.m., right, even though church started at 8, uh, and then not coming back until 9 p.m. Uh, so imagine, imagine me a boy, uh, let's say, let's say 12. 
in the house that I think of when I think of home. And another body calls it home now, I am very sure. And now all I can think of in this home that once housed my body is the swing and the guava trees and the spring bed and, and the glass windows that made it so for me. I think a lot of how I have not always known to call my body home. I gather my siblings around like our mother would us all for church. Put on a gown and become a priest. This is no metaphor. In this house that is home, or to, let's say, a metaphor finds its way inside. In this church of flesh and bones, I conduct the entire mass as I have seen it done time and time again. Holy water and all, amen. I am 27, inside a body that feels like my grandfather's, except he is not, but I am alive. Call this a miracle, amen. I think back. And now I have thought maybe once or twice to be a gaping wide enough to let boy bleed out of my body. I have dreamt too of me sitting outside of my body watching boy leave it like a familiar ghost. Maybe trance, maybe reality. Either way, I open my mouth and the wind pulls out a good riddance from the back of my throat and leaves me all open and blooded like a gutted fish. And I do not know if exorcism is the right name for this kind of right. But tell me, what boy hasn't tucked manhood between his thighs and tried on his mother's skin? I try on elegance and do not because of it call the body feminine or not masculine because the tomb is empty and there is no body, it is only I. And here in this not body, I wear my tender like an armor, and no one dares step across the line drawn to test how durable it actually is, or how many arrows can bounce off of it, which would mean to summon a casket, my fists ever willing pallbearers. I resurrect out of this body again and again, and no one calls this a miracle, amen. Now, if the body becomes too heavy of a cross to carry, and no one is there to witness its death. Do we call it crucifixion still? I know the body to be a battlefield. And what is a battle cry if not a reclaiming of the whole that once was? And a putting together of the shadow of the mirror the first time a lie stood in front of it. And the truth is, I do, I do not yet know a name for a broken like that. So I read those two poems because uh, a lot of the things uh, that we identify as or a lot of our identities are very performative. Uh, a lot of what it means to be a Christian is to perform certain things. A lot of what it means to be uh, a man, you know, is to like go through all these rituals. Uh, and I question, I question a lot, a lot. Uh, it's good sometimes to reject the script and just be like, nah, I don't like that part. I'm going to perform whatever it is a different way. And that was kind of like what that was ex uh, exploring. 
I do have a younger brother. Uh, so I come from a family of five um, with my dad and my mom, so seven. A really small family. Um, I'm from Nigeria, so uh, that's a very small family compared to people who have like 21 kids. That's a lot. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a lot. I'm lying. Yoruba. I'm good. You, I'm glad you know that. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, really big family. Uh, but I'm the oldest, so it's a lot of responsibility, right? To like, kind of raise your siblings in a way, which is interesting. So I do have a younger brother who just turned uh, twelve, like on Friday. So yeah, I'm gonna tell him you said happy birthday. Uh, so he just turned 12, and he, before he turned 12, he, like, he thought of himself as a man. And I'm like, ha, you don't know what it means to be a man. Uh, and I asked him, I had a conversation with him, what do you think it means to be a man? And he was like, well, I'm starting to see hair under my armpit, so that makes me a man. And I was like, ha, okay. Uh, so this is, this is for him. His name is Peace. I think we made a bargain, oh brother of mine, that I'd wait for you. Took so long before you came, and I assumed I got tired of waiting. Maybe this, oh brother of mine, is why you sent your brothers and your sister too before you. And when finally you arrived, I imagined the clouds broke forth the same way joy did on my arrival. I am the first and the last you are. You are the sealer of our mother's womb. Oh, brother of mine, you are a seal. You are a promise. The quiet in the mist and after the storm that raged before your arrival, and we all felt it. Our mother the most. Oh, brother of mine, you are not a problem, child. You are not a problem, child. Child, you are not a problem, child. Bring all your problems as mountain as they may be, and I'll big brother them into dust, child. Remind me to remind you to slow down. Remind me to remind you to breathe. Remind me to remind you that you're 12. And even though you never fail to remind me that you're a man now, I promise to always remind you to remain a boy before the world makes a man out of you. Peace. I know life is like a game of baseball because the way you run into my open arms every time I make a home run, I mean, every time I run home, reminds me to remind myself that your breath, much like mine, is a beautiful tune, each pitch perfect, worth listening to. And uh, I think about, like, if I were to ever have a son, right, uh, like, what would, I, what would I teach? What would I teach him? Uh, and that's even more relevant considering, like, all the stuff that's going on uh, right now. Like, finding out that, like, all the men you kind of respect are, like, <laughs> shitheads. Uh, and then having to, like, I think the most important part is, like, yeah, you can look at someone and, you know, say, 
oh, so nasty, so, you know, you can say all the things you want to say. But I think, like, as a, as a man, the, the hardest thing is to actually sit with yourself, right, and have a conversation with yourself, like, in what ways have I contributed to this, you know, I think that's the hardest part. It's easy to just point and say, like, look at all the lists of this man who are, like, uh, you know, we've done terrible things. But to put a mirror in front of yourself and to examine yourself, uh, it's, it's tougher uh, to do. And so I, I'm thinking, if I were to have a son, like, what would I teach him about what it means to be a man? And this kind of came from, uh, from that. Son. The men of this world are like turtles, too afraid to peek and behold the wonders outside the enclosures of their shells. Do not let them make you hard. Translation, don't be a dick. Be like water soft, but stand erect when the opinions of others like wind to a sail attempt to blow you. And if, or rather when they call you a pussy, remind them for they'll forget that you too, that they too, that all of us are children of our mothers. I hope you like to watch sports. Your father doesn't. It's boring. I hope you become all that your father isn't. I hope you become all your father did not have the courage to become. Smell the roses, but do not ignore the thorns. Never stop running, but slow down once in a while to catch your breath. Admire the butterflies, and they will continue to fly away from you, but be still. Stretch out your hands, and sooner maybe one will land on your palms. And uh, it's scary to think about uh, raising a son or a child, uh, especially as a black man uh, in America uh, nowadays. Uh, sometimes you just decide, maybe I won't have any kids. You know, it might be safer that way. Um, and every time there's like a post of some kind about like another black man is gunned down or, or something happens, I usually notice uh, white people are typically silent, you know, for the most part. Um, and this is a challenge. Uh, this is a challenge. How is it that whether some lives matter the same as others is still something we have to question? Our lives matter too, or do they not? Don't answer that. White America, let me ask you a question. No, I do not mean ask. I mean, let me ask you a question. If a question or a black body, same thing, falls in the forest that white silence often is, and no one is there to answer it, is it still a question worth answering? Is this question about the worth of our lives worth answering? I ask you, 
Maybe this time. Offer something less, less wittier than your Do you hear it? What do you hear when a black body hits the ground? Do you hear anything at all? To silence be space for the voice to gather up the courage to speak. Silence to be hush. Be you bet not speak of how much space a black body takes up. Or of how we hold silence and black death in the same space. And what is, what is death if not an unending silence? And what is, what is silence, if not that which remains after the throat empties itself of all its sound? And it is, it is another day, but what is there to do but watch death swallow another body? And uh, I'll end on this note. Um, this is going to be my last poem, guys. I'm sorry. I can't be here forever. I want to be. So this, uh, this poem, actually, that I'm going to share to end with, it's kind of inspired a lot by, like, the writing style of a lot of the poets here at, uh, at Mic Check. Uh, so I'm thinking Lino, I'm thinking Jordan, uh, thinking Christian, uh, thinking uh, Bill, um, and you, you, you hear some of the influences in the poem, uh, and I really like this poem a lot, and it's called Belong, and I think like it's appropriate to kind of end the night uh, on that note, so, um, so here it goes. My head is a ghost town, which is to say I have ghosts in my head. I mean, I have friends who are now ghosts, but they sometimes still dress themselves as alive in my head. Okay, what I mean is I still think about my ghosts. I mean, my friends. I mean, the ghosts of my friends. They've taken off. They're alive. It used to be their favorite coat, but then God took it from them. Or they told God they didn't want it no more. Some nights, my heart is a town full of coats. I mean, my heart is full of my friends. My friends, too, are full of friendly ghosts. Same thing. I have friends, too, that are still alive. But my God, do they wear themselves out with the way they force their bodies into the coat that is this endless desire to make their breath worth something, my God. I forget too much. 
to remind them their breath is worth something too much. I forget you, my God. My God, to me, you have been a good God. But I hear some of my friends say they cannot say the same. But I say, holy, holy are you, O God. The way you hung your favorite coat on the cross. So my guess is the cross must be a closet. The way I wrap it around my heart. And God's son is a coat. Still can't quite wrap him around my head. How he covers my shame. And presents me holy and whole before the whole town. And just in case this town isn't big enough for me and my friends. I'll create me a new country. Belong is a country. So come. All you rejects and weirdos and sinners and saints, this is where you belong here in this new country with me. It's like this. It's my country, but could very well be yours too. Yes, ours will be a country that is ours here. We'll know peace and love and stay and love and peace and joy. At the port, we'll leave all our burdens. Here we'll be given new robes. Here we'll be brave. Brave enough to be as we are. Brave enough to be. Brave enough to be as we are. Brave enough to wear our skin inside out. Brave enough to let our bones breathe. Brave enough to be. Brave enough to be. Enough, enough. Brave enough to be. Enough, brave enough to don the glorious and the broken of our human like the latest fashion trend here. We know no shame. Our language will be belong. Welcome. We'll be here. We'll be stay. We'll be leave all your baggages at the port. We'll be there not welcome here. Okay, that sounds terrible. We'll be. There is no room for them here to stay. We'll be even if somehow they got in. We'll still welcome you in, baggages and all. We'll never threaten to kick you out or ask you to go back to where you're from. Because really, no matter how you got here, this has always been, will always be where you belong. Thank you, College Station. And that concludes the Mic Check Podcast. Check us out every Sunday at Revolution Cafe and Bar at 8.30. Also, check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and YouTube. You can find us on all of your favorite social media at Mic Check Poetry. I was Jonathan Miller. Enjoy the rest of your week.